Hi, Vet Girl here with fellow Criticalist, Dr. Marie Holowichuk, who's a Criticalist in Edmonton, Canada, and works as a speaker, doing locum, and is a consultant in emergency and critical care. And today she's going to be talking about a study that was published in the Journal of Veterinary Emergency Critical Care in February of 2014. And this study was called Prospective Multicenter Evaluation of Coagulation Abnormalities in Dogs Following Severe Acute Trauma. In other words, should we be doing coag panels on dogs that have severe trauma? That is the question, and we set out to answer that question in this study. We wanted to do this study in dogs with trauma because we know that trauma accounts for approximately 10% of all hospital admissions in veterinary patients and involves serious injuries in 35% of dogs with mortality rates of approximately 10%. Trauma is the leading cause of death and disability in people worldwide, so we know that it affects people quite dramatically as well, and people have even higher in-hospital mortality rates of 20%. Second only to head trauma, post-trauma hemorrhage causes 40% of all deaths in people. So we know post-trauma hemorrhage is a very big deal. It hasn't been as widely researched in dogs, but based on retrospective studies, somewhere between 25 and 40% of dogs have evidence of post-trauma hemorrhage as indicated by positive FAST exams. So you'll hear the phrase more commonly as new papers are released, and that phrase is acute traumatic coagulopathy, or ATC. This is otherwise known as coagulopathy of trauma, trauma-induced coagulopathy, and acute coagulopathy of trauma shock, and is diagnosed in about a third of severely injured people. This syndrome is extensively reviewed in a two-part article in this same issue of JVEC, so I won't review it extensively in this podcast, but I will tell you that there are numerous factors that are thought to contribute to ATC, including severe tissue injury, shock, chemodilution during fluid resuscitation, hypothermia, acidosis, and inflammation. Normally, we would define ATC in people as a 50% prolongation in PT or APTT measured at hospital admission after trauma, and we know that human trauma patients diagnosed with ATC have an approximately four-fold higher risk of mortality. So it's a very big deal in people and was recently documented in a prospective study performed at Tufts University. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of other studies documenting ATC in dogs. While there was a study that measured coagulation variables in dogs after trauma several years ago, they didn't make any associations between severity of injury, hemorrhage, or death. So the objective of our study was to describe coagulation abnormalities in dogs after severe acute trauma and to look at the association between coagulation and thromboelastography or TEG variables and clinical and laboratory variables as well as injury severity and the ability of coagulation and TAG variables to predict the presence of body cavity hemorrhage, necessity of blood product administration, and outcome or survival. So we hypothesized that severely injured dogs would demonstrate acute traumatic coagulopathy that would be predictive of body cavity hemorrhage, the need for more transfusions, as well as non-survival. So we included dogs in this study if they were admitted within 12 hours of blunt or penetrating trauma with injuries involving more than one organ system and anticipated hospitalization of at least three days. So we wanted these dogs to be the more severely injured dogs, not just the broken toe. Dogs were excluded if they were less than a year old, less than 10 kilograms because of all the blood that we were drawing, if they were diagnosed with a congenital coagulopathy, or if they'd received anything that might have affected their coag tests prior to admission, such as hypertonic saline, synthetic colloids, blood products, or anticoagulant medications. 
Dogs not severely injured, for example, those with a fractured limb but no other injuries, or those only hospitalized for pain management and fluid therapy that were otherwise stable, were also excluded. Several variables were recorded upon admission, including signalment, body weight, animal trauma triage scores, acute patient physiologic and laboratory evaluation scores, which we used as measurements of injury and illness severity, respectively. Clinical and laboratory variables, including treatments, fluids, and the presence or absence of body cavity hemorrhage, documented as a positive FAST or abdominocentesis that drew blood, were performed at the discretion of the clinician and were also recorded. Outcome was recorded as survival to discharge or non-survival, and we recorded non-survival as dogs that died or were euthanized due to a perceived grave prognosis. Dogs in this study that were euthanized for financial reasons were excluded from the analysis. We collected blood samples in the dogs as soon as possible after hospital admission and then every other day until hospital discharge or death for a total of three sample collections. We used the blood sample to measure a platelet count, activated clotting time, and several other coagulation tests including PT, APTT, fibrinogen, antithrombin, plasmin inhibition previously called antiplasmin activity, plasminogen activity, protein C activity, D-dimer concentration, and then we also performed KLN-activated thromboelastography, or TAG. We defined acute traumatic coagulopathy, or ATC, as one or more of the following abnormalities. An activated clotting time of longer than 105 seconds, a platelet count of less than 200, a PT or APTT more than 1.5 times the upper reference interval, and a tag maximum amplitude, or alpha, less than the lower limit of the reference interval. A total of 40 dogs were included in this study, including 26 dogs enrolled at the Ontario Veterinary College and 14 dogs enrolled at North Carolina State University. All dogs were enrolled between June of 2009 and December 2010. Most dogs excluded from the study were done so because they were less than 10 kilograms, they were admitted more than 12 hours after the trauma, or they were less than a year old. The included dogs were 50-50 male and female, and blunt trauma occurred in 80% of dogs, all of which were involved in a motor vehicle accident. 25% of the dogs exhibited body cavity hemorrhage, and 80% of those dogs received a blood product transfusion. So these were definitely severely injured dogs, and that was evidenced by our mortality rate, which was 23%. So higher mortality rate that's been documented in most of the trauma canine literature. And those dogs that died included one dog that died naturally and nine dogs that were euthanized due to a grave prognosis. So when we looked at our parameters that predicted survival, at hospital admission, the parameters that were most commonly predictive of survival included measures of hypocoagulability, so specifically a prolonged APTT, decreased plasmin inhibition, decreased tag alpha, and decreased tag maximum amplitude. So in order to make sure that we were accounting for illness severity for these dogs, we also incorporated our Apple and ATT scores into our statistical analysis. So when we incorporated Apple score into the analysis to account for disease severity, only prolonged APTT and decreased TEG-alpha remain predictive of non-survival. 
What was really interesting, though, was when we included ATT score or animal trauma triage score in our multivariable analysis to account for injury severity, none of the coagulation parameters remained significant, which told us that ATT was a better predictor of outcome than any of the measured coagulation parameters in this group of dogs. The same analyses were done to determine which coagulation variables predicted body cavity hemorrhage and the need for blood product administration, and decreased platelet count was the most consistent predictor in addition to hypocoagulable TAG parameters, including decreased TAG alpha and decreased TAG MA. We also performed correlation statistics to look for correlations between coagulation variables and other measured variables, and we found that measurements of disease and injury severity, such as APPLE and ATT scores, were correlated with measurements of hypocoagulability, such as prolonged APTT and increased antithrombin activity. Likewise, when we looked at measurements of shock and poor perfusion, such as low mean arterial pressure, low pH, and increased lactate, these were correlated with measurements of hypocoagulability as well, including prolonged activated clotting time, decreased fibrinogen concentration, decreased plasmin inhibition, and hypocoagulable TAG variables, including a smaller maximum amplitude and clot strength, as well as increased clot lysis. In terms of our definition of acute traumatic coagulopathy, when at least one abnormal coagulation variable was used to define ATC in this group of dogs, 40% of dogs were diagnosed with ATC, and those dogs had a 16-fold higher risk of blood product transfusion. When ATC was defined as at least two abnormal coagulation or TAG variables, 15% of dogs were diagnosed with ATC, and these dogs had a three-fold higher mortality rate, as well as increased apple scores, lower systolic blood pressures, and higher lactate concentrations. So clearly it was the more severely injured and severely hypoperfused dogs that were suffering from acute traumatic coagulopathies. So finally, when we looked at measured coagulation variables over time throughout hospitalization, compared to admission, the APTT became more prolonged and the platelet count dropped on day three, and then both of those variables returned to normal on day five, whereas all of the other coagulation and TEG parameters became progressively more hypercoagulable during hospitalization, presumably because of increased inflammation and healing from the trauma. So the findings in this study are quite similar to what we've seen in human trauma patients previously. For example, studies in human trauma patients have also demonstrated that hypocoagulable TAG variables are predictive of blood product transfusions. Likewise, APTT was the best coagulation test that predicted outcome in this study, and in human studies, APTT and PT are most widely used to diagnose acute traumatic coagulopathy. However, what was really interesting to us and surprising was that when ATT scores were incorporated into the analysis, none of the coagulation variables were associated with outcomes. So this suggests to us that ATT was still the best predictor of non-survival in this group of dogs. And this is, of course, good news for veterinarians working in practices without access to fancy coagulation tests. You can rest assured knowing that the easily measured ATT score, which only relies on physical exam and radiographic findings is still the best predictor of outcome, at least in this group of dogs. 
And the other interesting finding for us was that although correlations do not equate with causation, it was interesting to see so many hypocoagulable test variables correlating with measurements of increased injury severity and hypoperfusion or shock. And both of those are considered players in the acute traumatic coagulopathy scenario because of their effects on coagulation, including increasing tissue factor expression and also increasing the factors that enhance clot breakdown or fibrinolysis. So certainly fits with the pathophysiology of the disease. So there are some big limitations that exist in this study that should be stated, uh, including the fact that blood sampling for coagulation tests was not standardized. So after we began the study, there were studies that were published demonstrating that the method and site of blood collection can affect TAG results. So in the future, any studies investigating TAG should have a standardized blood collection and processing protocol. And unfortunately, we did not have such a protocol in place. Additionally, dogs in this study underwent treatments both before and after a hospital admission that might have impacted coagulation results. This included the administration of IV fluids before being admitted to the hospital, as well as the administration of NSAIDs after hospitalization. And unfortunately, given that both of these hospitals were tertiary hospitals, we uh, found it very difficult to exclude the dogs that had received fluids. 70% of dogs in this study did receive fluids prior to their first coagulation test, but what we understand from studies that have been performed looking at hemodynamics dilution and coagulopathies that you really do need a very significant amount of hemodilution before coag tests are affected, so this likely wasn't very impactful in this group of dogs. So in conclusion, in this group of dogs, hypocoagulability and decreased clot strength measured by TEG were risk factors for the presence of body cavity hemorrhage or the need for blood product administration after severe trauma. Prolonged APTT was strongly predictive of non-survival, but ATT score was still the best predictor. Acute traumatic coagulopathy is defined by one or more abnormal coagulation or TAG variables predicted the need for blood product administration, whereas ATC, as defined by two or more abnormal coagulation or TAG variables, was diagnosed in a, in a small number of dogs whose mortality was almost three times higher than those dogs not diagnosed with ATC. So when you do have these dogs coming in with severe traumatic injuries and hypoperfusion, you might consider measurement of TAG if that's available to you or APTT to support your clinical assessments. But remember that nothing beats a good physical examination and ATT score. Mm -hmm.